are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. They started stacking all the chairs up and we were sitting on them. They told us we couldn't sit on the sofas and we're like, we're here all night. Like, why can't we? And I remember Lacey like kicking off and being like, fuck <laughs> this and stealing a sandwich in protest. <laughs> Manami Toyota. 
Nikki Cross, <laughs> Becky Lynch, Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray, Jazz, Charlie Morgan. All for a two count. This sensei shall I? <laughs> the Princess Diana of Eve. She wants to wrestle the tiger. Through the tiger haven. Still counts. Jetta. Jetta, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? All is good over here, thank you. Uh, why do people take issue with black cats? Uh, oh, so big question out of the gate isn't it um, straight out of the gate because because <laughs> you and i both have that in common you've got gorgeous uh gorgeous cats of the black cat variety and, yeah. and we've got pablo in the other room and whenever i show pictures of pablo people go oh you fair play you adopted a black cat because not many people do and i'm like really oh, yeah. is that, is that I, think it, I think it's like superstitions isn't it i think people are superstitious of black cats but i heard also it's because they don't photograph well Apparently. Ah, they're not very Instagrammable. Yeah, but mine are. I'm yeah, sure yours are gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's just the photographer, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's all it's all in how it's done. It does yeah. explain why people sometimes call call Pablo what a lovely little void you've got there. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he is the best, actually. Um, what what have you learned about your cats whilst working with them during lockdown? Um. Before I was working from home, I used to wonder if they stayed in the same spot all day. And the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, like you leave at like eight in the morning and they're like on the corner of the bed and then you come back at like whatever time and they're still there. And you think there's no way they've been there all day. No, they, they definitely have. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also, I guess I've, I just I mean, I already sort of knew this, but if reincarnation is a thing, I definitely want to come back as a house cat. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. There's there's something special about them, and it's it, it, the the thing that I've learned with 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 our boy as well is that his loyalty is very is very thin because we went away for we went away for a week and we we left him with friends and I was very worried about him like going I'll be all right I will be confused suddenly we're not there and I was getting videos back of him just having the best time and there's part yeah, of me anyway. that was quite annoyed by it. <laughs> Yeah, ours, ours are, I don't know, like ours are not like that. They're very attached to us. Um, though I had them before I got with Charlie, and I must admit, I do get a bit kind of like, my nose gets knocked out of joint a little bit because Princess, the girl cat, used to literally just always sleep with me, like cuddle with me, and now she goes goes to Charlie. So, yeah. Fickle. Not, yeah, yeah. They are like that. They're fickle. But look. Whilst we will no doubt talk about cats as the show goes on, um, we are here to talk about wrestling and in particular, uh, sending you onto a desert island, Jetta. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is what we need after the last 18 months, isn't it? More, exactly. more, more isolation. Getting castaway um, flashbacks. There you go. Just once. So, so whilst you're not shouting at a, a football called Wilson, uh, <laughs> I want to give you three wrestling matches to watch whilst you're on said desert island. Um, what would you like your first match to be, Jetta? I think my first match would have to be um, TLC two from from WrestleMania seventeen. 
that would be my first match. So uh, this one then, take me back to where you were when you watched it for the first time. So, I mean, this is what the reason why I picked it first, because um, at the time, um, I wasn't actually a, a wrestling fan when it when it when it actually happened. Um, but I got into well, I think everyone goes get went through that phase, didn't they? And they're like, you know, when the attitude era was really big and you thought it was, you know, stone cold and the rock were cool. Um, but I didn't really pay much attention other than, you know, the the promos and the silly skits and stuff like that. But um, a friend of mine was really, really into wrestling when I was, I think, probably like 14. Um, and she kept trying to get me into wrestling. And I was like, no, it's stupid. Like, it's just like people pretending to fight. It's weird. Like, why would I watch that? And um, so she was very strategic in the matches she picked to, for me to watch to get me to get me to like it. So one of those was the the table match at, at the Royal Rumble 2000 between the, the Dudleys and the Hardys and the other one was TLC2. And I just think like the moment I sort of watched it, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, actually it's it's quite cool. And I think like as a casual fan, like you're not really invested in the like the characters or the matches. So like kind of it's it's a TLC2 is like a, a live stunt show, isn't it? And it's it's got it all really. It's got, you know interference with with spike and lita and rhino it's got all of the like really big like cool spots like the spear with the belts um so yeah like i don't know how many times i've watched that match but i i can still watch it and enjoy it like it was the first time i watched it so yeah that would definitely be one of the matches it's funny because when there was uh, when when wrestling was was booming, there were these two camps, and it was the same at my school as well, where you get people that were really into it. And there yeah. was and and we go through phases with things as well, where you're almost not into something because everybody else is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> everyone else does your edit, and then you're like, I've moved on from that now. I'm on to <laughs> I'm on to other stuff now. So you had been a wrestling fan before then. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't really say like a, a, a wrestling fan. Um, I think just because like wrestling was kind of cool and that was what people were probably talking about at school and whatever. Um, mm. I didn't grow up with, with Sky TV and that obviously like in the UK, that was kind of the only way you could watch it. Um, but you know how you have like uncles and aunties that are not really your uncles and aunties, they're just your mum and dad's friends. <laughs> and yes. they like babysit you and when when your parents go out and vice versa. Um, a couple of my mum's friends, she had two boys and they were like obsessed with it. So anytime we went round their house when when they would babysit for us, we would they would put it on. So I think just from like watching that, like the matches, I don't think I ever really paid any attention to, but the skits, you know, like the stone cold coming down in the in the beer truck and I can I can like now that I'm I've like gone back and watched a lot of it I can sort of vaguely remember watching it back then like the you know the title when the rocks was it the rock or stone cold through the title about into the river well they took it in turns they the, I, the stone cold through the rocks intercontinental title into the river off the bridge and then a, a year or so later the rock through the the WWF title off the bridge uh, for Steve Austin. So they took it in turns, just lobbing each yeah. other's stuff off the bridge. So I remember that. And then I remember like the Undertaker kidnapping Stephanie. And like I, rem I remember all of that stuff, but I I couldn't, I wouldn't have remembered any of the matches because I think it was like, you just sort of fast forwarded through whatever like video they'd recorded of it sort of thing. So yeah, I'd say I was kind of a, ca a casual sort of wrestling fan. Like I knew who The Rock was and, and I, I thought The Rock was cool. I thought Stone Cold was cool, but I didn't really know like, I didn't really watch the matches. It wasn't until my friend was like, oh, no, it's really good. And 
I was just like, no, it's rubbish. And she was just like, just watch it, just watch it. And then, yeah, I watched that. And and, and I think like then I, I just became obsessed with the Hardy Boys, as I think most, <laughs> most probably like people from my generation were like, just thought they were the coolest thing. And then they had Lita. So I was like, oh my God, that's even cooler. They've got this girl who like, dresses differently and she's just like I kind of like it's a bit of a I don't know maybe it's a bit weird but I always connect like I think like Lita is like the Spice Girls of wrestling if that makes any sense like yeah. you know how like the Spice Girls were for like girls of that era like Lita was like the Spice Girls but for wrestling like do you get do you get what I mean like she yeah was the, exactly she was, she was yeah she was she was somebody that was very very different yeah, yeah. She, 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 was, she jumped off the page, didn't she? Didn't yeah, you? and she would do, like, cool moves and stuff, and she'd do them on the guys. So that was, like, you know, that was also really, really cool. Uh, so with that match then, the, the, the that Lita does get involved physically in that match, and as do many other characters. Is there a particular moment from that match that when you're watching that match again, you always sort of anticipate seeing once more? It's definitely the spear from the with with Jeff on the bouts and the and the spear because that's just such a cool, like a cool spot and a cool visual, um, and then obviously there's the there's the the Jeff spot through the the ladders on the outside through the tables just because of like how ridiculously high it is, um, and yeah just the run-ins because the pop that it gets just the, just the run-ins as well the Lita run-in and the Huracrana and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's just there's so much going on that builds on the first TLC yeah. match. Um, yeah. you know, the the friend that turns you around to wrestling. Um, how were things with you with you guys once you finally came round to the idea? Were you closer? Was it about the same? Yeah, yeah. I think then when I sort of like sort of admitted defeat and kind of like reluctantly said that it was good, like <laughs> then we would like we would watch pay per views and stuff around her house. So we'd like I'd stay over and we'd stay up and we'd watch the pay per views and stuff um and then we'd watch like the raws and the smackdowns and things like that um and she was actually the probably well she's the reason why i i, I liked wrestling but we actually started training together as well so um she she actually stopped eventually but the first like few years of of my wrestling career i was wrestling with her quite a lot and training with her so yeah i was still friends with her to this day so oh she must be delighted then that things have gone the way they have does she take a lot of ownership of that yeah, definitely. <laughs> and rightfully so. She also she also like, you know, will come along to like shows and things like that. And yes, yeah, so that's really nice. Um well, you weren't into wrestling, um, but what what was it then? What were you into at that point? As a, I, don't, I don't know, probably not really anything. I think that's probably why like wrestling I became so like engrossed in it because I didn't really have anything that I was particularly interested in I think it's like anything isn't it when you're a kid like you go through these phases like I remember once I was I was like yeah I'm gonna learn to play guitar and I think uh, like my mom bought me a guitar for Christmas and I like paid for these guitar lessons at school and then like after about three weeks I just couldn't be bothered with it because I had to carry my guitar to school which I didn't want to do and <laughs> and it's like that goes like that goes and then like skateboarding was cool so then I got a skateboard but I soon gave up on that so it's it, you know like you're trying to find something can't you I think at that age that you kind of connect with so then I think when I started watching wrestling and then all of a sudden it like especially then as well because I started watching it and, and my friend had all these old like I mean it's probably showing my age now but they were videotapes all these old tapes of stuff then you could go back and like I would watch something and she'd be like oh if you thought that was good then watch this and then like there was just this it just opens up this massive world then doesn't it of all these like you know matches that you'd never seen so 
yeah and then I, I became really really like engrossed in it I'd, like buy the magazines and all that sort of stuff because you were a power slam reader as well weren't you yeah that's how that's how i found out about like because then we were like well, we want to be wrestlers we were like we want to we want to learn how to wrestle and like back then like yeah there was like again so really showing my age there was an internet but it was dialogue and people didn't really have websites and there was no such thing as social media so like how do you find out like where there's a training school so in our head we were like wow and I don't think we ever had any idea that there were like independent shows in the UK. We knew of like ECW, like we knew that that was a thing. Um, and we knew that there were some independents in America because you'd like see them in the magazines. But in our head, we were like, well, if you want to learn to be a wrestler, you have to go to America. So we were like, well, when we're, when we're old enough, we'll just go to America and we'll just find a school. And then like, so this is when we were like 14. So then we were like, right, well, if we can't wrestle, then what can we do instead that will like get us ready for wrestling? So then we like enrolled in like a boxing school that was like local because we thought, well, that will kind of teach us like some stuff, like even if it's just fitness. Um, so we started doing that. Um, and yeah, then then we just happened to, I think it was a Power Slam magazine or something that we opened it up and it had an advert for the Hammerlock Wrestling School in Kent. So then we were like, oh, they do camps, like summer camps and whatever um and then a website so we looked on the website and then as strange as it is you got we went on the website and we were like oh there's other schools and there was nwa island and there was also one in coventry and then we looked at where it was and it was literally 15 minutes from where we lived so then that's slightly easier to get to than kent (laughs) yeah so it's just mad that like it was there and we had no idea so yeah, literally, like we looked, and we were just like, oh my god, and yeah, that that Sunday, off we went, and and that was that. When you were doing boxing training, so you say you've gone to do boxing stuff because it's in your head, you've gone, oh, it's close to wrestling. We'll do that. Were the people yeah. who you trained with at boxing were they aware that y- your ambition really was wrestling and not boxing? Probably, I don't really remember. I mean, we probably would have just said, but I do remember that we were what like when we walked in, and this is the thing as well, like. I think when you're that age, you just kind of don't really, you don't really think about like, oh, am I going to be the only girl? Is it going to be like, what are people going to think? Like, is, you just kind of like, duh, 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 don't you? Just kind of like, well, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to go to boxing. So I think we just kind of walked in and we were the only girls that were there. And I, I looking back on it now, I think when we walked in, they're a bit like, mm, yeah, these girls are not going to last. Like, don't really know why they're here. But we did keep going back and they wouldn't let us spar or do anything like that. We literally were only allowed to shadow box. Um, <laughs> we weren't even allowed to spar with each other. Um, but it probably was good for us because the fitness thing was really, really hard. Like they'd make us skip and like, you know, shadow boxing was quite hard. And we were allowed to punch on the bags and stuff like that. But yeah, we, we, we never, I remember one time actually, we got in the boxing ring we weren't supposed to and we weren't allowed to like spar in there but we got in the boxing ring and i remember both of us just like oh it's like being in a wrestling ring and we, we were we just thought it was really cool because we were just we were more like imagining we were in a wrestling ring than a boxing ring but yeah um when we started wrestling training we just we just stopped going um so so when i and with when you went to the wrestling training i mean what did that um how did that measure up to what you thought it would be? I mean, you, you said you said previously, like you kind of go into stuff with no expectations. Yeah. But you, but you, um, you must have had some sort of inkling as to what it might have looked like. 
Um, I think we expected there to be a ring, but there wasn't. It's just like an Aikido center. And it was, it was just like, basically, um, <laughs> it's going to sound really awful. It's still there. Um, it was basically in a, cub, a, a pub car park and it was like a big car park. So they'd built this like building on the side of, of the pub and it was an Aikido center. And they, they had like rooms just filled with like the mats and whatever. Um, and they would have like judo there and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And then on Sunday they had wrestling class. So I think when we walked in, we sort of expected like there to be a ring and there wasn't. Um, I don't think there was a couple of girls there. Um, but again, like we kind of walked in there and like, I'm pretty sure we probably went there in like Hardy Boy t-shirts because they started, when anyone joined this wrestling school, because a lot of people would come in and out of it and there'd be like loads of people. It was really difficult to remember people's names. So people would just get given nicknames on like the day they turned up and, and we were the Hardy Girls because I'm pretty sure we probably turned up in Hardy Boy t-shirts. And like I had dark hair and she had blonde hair, which used to piss me off because then I was like, well, they're saying that you're Jeff, but I want to be Jeff. Like so I used to get really annoyed at that. Um, but yeah, when we walked in, I don't know. I don't know what we expected. I don't know. I think again, I think we probably just walked in there like, yeah, we're just going to learn to be wrestlers and we didn't really think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Compared to like you, you mentioned there how like your mum, when you said I want to play guitar, she bought you a guitar. She she paid for lessons. When you said, oh, actually, I want to be a wrestler. Was there that same level of support for, for, a, for a guitarist as a wrestler? Um, I think she was just partly glad I wasn't boxing. I wasn't going and doing boxing training even anymore, even though I was just doing that for wrestling. But I think she was also, yeah, she was really like kind of nervous about it and was a bit like, mm, don't know if this is like a good idea, but you know, it was it was what I wanted to do. And I was really like at that point, like really, really obsessed with wrestling. So I think she was just like, Well, it makes her happy. So, you know, if that's what she wants to do, then you know, she's she was on board, but not thrilled, I suppose, <laughs> probably. Probably the way of answering that. So, one. so who would have trained you uh, in the in in the car park in Coventry? <laughs> um, so my tra main trainer was a guy called Magic, who was um, a part of Hammerlock. So at that point, again, things were very try. It's tribal the word probably. Like if you wrestled at a certain place or you trained at a certain place, you wrestled there. You didn't. You didn't go anywhere else. There was probably like. The biggest probably probably company at that time was probably the FWA. Um, you had All Star, and then you had like other people that would run the odd <clears throat> the odd small show, and then the camps and stuff like that. But if you trained at Hamlock, you wrestled at Hamlock. You, you didn't you didn't wrestle anywhere else. Like you, you wrestled for them and them only. So I think because Magic came from that school and that was in Kent, it was kind of like. And, and, and Hamelot was affiliated with NWA at the time. So it was basically like they were turning it into like NWA, Hamelot, NWA, Midlands, NWA, Ireland. Um, and the plan was to kind of like start touring those different areas, I think. Um, so, yeah, like it just made sense for, I think, him to open it because he he lived in, in Coventry. Uh, what was something that Magic taught you in your first wrestling training that has stayed with you? Um, he taught me a lot of things. Um, I think one of the things that he always instilled in us from the from the first day was that we we weren't to be treated any differently from anybody else. It didn't matter that we were like girls, um, but you know we were to be treated with the same respect as everybody else. 
Um, but at the same time, we were also expected to do the same as everybody else. And I think from a, a real early sort of time, he did he did kind of like really take us under under his wing and make it really clear to us that like he would support us and he would you know teach us in any way he could but it wasn't going to be easy for us because there weren't a lot of girls on the scene um and at that point you know um women's wrestling wasn't really taken very seriously um and it was kind of a bit of a like anybody else could sort of walk into any kind of training school and like a lad and it'd just be like well yeah that's that's just you know what what they do whereas we had an extra point to prove so I think like he instilled in us from day one that like we should always try and push ourselves to 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 be like some of the last ones standing because that would kind of show that you know we're not here to sort of mess around and and it will it would get that respect sort of thing um yeah, and I just think, like, you know, again, I think Magic would probably say himself, you know, when he first started training, I think there was a lot of gaps in his knowledge on things. I think as a trainer in terms of, like, teaching moves and, and techniques and stuff like that, yeah, he was he was really good. But I don't think at that point, and I, I still think this is probably a bit of an issue now, but a lot of schools don't really teach the why, the psychology of things. Um and that, that was something that I think he he actually went over to OVW and did like a month over there or something at some point. I can't remember exactly when it was, but what I, I distinctly remember him coming back from that. And we had a training session and I remember him just saying, um, yeah, we're not actually going to do any wrestling training today. We're just going to sit and talk. And we were like, oh, that's crap. But actually, like he kind of come back from OVW with all of this knowledge, you know, that actually did really kind of open our eyes you know like about different styles of wrestling and 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 a bit more around the why of things and a lot of stuff around that has kind of stuck with me so because yeah. that was it because at that point when you're getting into this this is am i am i right thinking this is like 2001 2002 2002 my first training session was january 2002 yeah and and the the british wrestling scene like it wasn't as 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 busy as it is now and it's and whilst whilst i think the west midlands has always been a bit of a hub for for wrestling even then like there wasn't a lot going on was there yeah there wasn't and that a lot of that is because of that kind of tribalism you know like people didn't you know now how like people sort of start up promotions and you know you can argue whether that's good or bad but back then it was a no-no like you came from you came from a certain place and you wrestled on those shows and if you weren't booked on those shows and that was that and there were a lot of occasions where people would try and run shows and 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 people would pay people not to turn up with rings and and all that kind of stuff so that it, yeah it was a completely it was a completely different world um so yeah a lot of this really once you once you then started wrestling you got to the point where you could do shows you were kind of really limited to what you could do because like i say if you were if you were freely affiliated with hammerlock you wrestled on the hammerlock shows um to be honest quite quickly i realized how shit that was because mm. we just got given nothing um and we just got treated like lackeys which there's a certain level of paying your dues yes you do need to tear down rings yes you do need to put up rings but do you need to be traveling you know from coventry to kent in the back of a ring van with your feet up on a on a ring post so that it doesn't slam into you when the van breaks probably probably not it's probably not it's probably not great it was um, a weird sense of like <laughs> pay your dues wasn't it with with stuff yeah. like that I and mean, there's still quite a bit of that now and there's nothing wrong with the, the idea of you know going out there and earning it but you think of some of the, the stories that you hear from 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 
from the generation that you came up in, especially yeah. of of people just going above and beyond for for less than no pay sometimes oh, to yeah, get yeah, very you little. You didn't, you didn't get paid at Hammerlock. You got mm. paid nothing. But yet they would bring in like, you know, Jim Neidhart and, and Jake the Snake for tours and stuff like that. But we didn't get paid anything. Experience, right? You get, well, you, yeah, you, you get exposure you and experience. And you get your 30 seconds in the rumble at the end. And like, <laughs> at first, but this is the thing like that, when that's all you know, when that's how you've been brought in and that's all you know, and you don't have like forums or the internet to go on to see that that's like, or Twitter where people are saying that like, that's not normal or that's not right. You don't know. You just, you just do it, don't you? And it's all a bit of an adventure at first. And it's not until you kind of like break out that you sort of then you see then you see the wood for the trees, don't you, a little bit? And and then that's exactly what happened to me. Um I I ended up doing other shows, which was a big no-no. And I think I was like 16 at the time. So I'm a 16-year-old kid and I was getting paid. And I remember, I distinctly remember being at a show and getting a phone call from from one of the other trainers. Um because there was this thing at the time where there's all this, always this carrot that used to get dangled about Hammerlock having a TV deal. And it was like, oh, yes, Hammerlock can get this TV deal any day now. I was like, okay, going to get this TV deal. And I just remember like this, this, this uh, trainer ringing me up and saying, um, yeah, Andre's really not happy that you're doing other shows. First of all, I was like, I don't think he even knows who I am for a start because he's mm. literally blanks me every time I try and introduce myself or say hello to him. <laughs> because uh, I'm just one of the one of the the kids that comes and sets up the ring and um he was like well um he really wants to put you on the tv show tv show when it when it comes on but he's not going to use you on the tv show if you if you don't start doing these shows and even at 16 I was like I don't I don't know where I got the balls for it but I was like look I was like we all know that there's no tv deal come in I said you know like if he doesn't want to put me on it then don't, don't put me on it then mm. and then he was like well you do know that at some point you'll get screwed over and you won't get paid for these shows. And I was like, well, you don't pay me now. So <laughs> I'm no worse off because I'm getting paid now. So, and that was that. And the TV deal never happened. And, I, and I, at a certain point I just stopped working for them because I think that's the other thing as well. Like for a time, um, I, I would, I would do both because I'd sort of feel like I had a loyalty to them. And I remember like I used to do a lot of these paid shows um, and I used to travel with with Robbie Brookside because he was in Leicester and I remember telling him about it and I remember one day him just saying to me like why do you why do you do them and I was like oh because they train me blah blah and he's like oh okay um and do you do you pay do you pay for training and I was like yeah and he's like right um and have they ever paid you for any of these shows that you do and I'm like no and he's like do you get paid for other shows yeah He's like, so what exactly do you owe them then? Because, you know, it sort of seems like they owe you. And then that's like, boom, penny penny drops. And then you're like, yeah, you're right. you're absolutely right. And that's something that, like, sticks with me to this day. And I think that, like, when it comes to magic, I think it's a different, a different kettle of fish. He did so much for me, and I'm so thankful. And, you know, I'm so lucky that we happened to walk into that training school because, again, some of the horror stories you hear from, from females – of that generation like we never had that like he looked out for us he looked after us he took care of us and he made sure that everyone treated us with respect um and i'll forever be thankful of that to him but again the system that he came up in um you know and, and, and that's that's something that's always stuck to me and i always say that to people when people follow trainers 
or you know promotions with blind loyalty because they gave them their break no if they're not paying you to do the show but you've paid them to train you then you've paid them for a service you don't owe them anything for free so like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense it's like if you pay a painter and decorator to come and decorate your house you wouldn't go and cut their lawn for free because they did you a favor by charging you to paint that do you know what i mean yeah wrestling has this really weird like I it's don't an emotional it. attachment yeah because it's yeah. Because people, because people, you you grab by the thin and curlies with it because you get a whole bunch of people who just want to make it. Yeah, and yeah. and and someone like you, unless you say, you say yourself that you were sixteen years old and 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 you didn't you didn't you saw through that and you had Robbie Brooks on in your Robbie Brooks on your corner thankfully which was which was an assistance to you as well somebody you could also go yeah you're right but there was a lot of people who would have been coming up at the same time as you that didn't have that. That, that positive influence and just kind of went, well, this is kind of the way that things are. And I guess I just need to carry on. And yeah. it's what's great now is through um, through social media and through more people talking, whilst it's not completely gone, that mentality, there is a lot less of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? And it's it's all a learning curve, isn't it? And like you say, it's, it's a balance because do, do I have loyalty to somebody like Magic? Yeah, I, I do, because he did go above and beyond for me. And I, I can understand now as as a as a grown-up, because I was a child, actually all of the really dodgy situations I could have ended up in, but he was there to guide me and help me. And Robbie's exactly the same, to be fair to him. He, you know, there's a lot of situations that I look back on now and I'm like, he saved me from something then. I didn't realise it at the time, but he was really looking out for me. So, you know, I think that's that's also been something that's kind of been carried through my, my um, especially my early career. I've, I've been very lucky with the people I've been fortunate enough to kind of fall in with, which is which is good. And it was cutting a path for you in, in a time where like the, the options on the British scene are quite limited, but also options for women are quite limited as well. Mm, yeah. um, I, I recall... I recall a match that I watched, and this is kind of, and and by the I'm just sort of thinking by this point you would have you, you would have been on the on the circuit away from Hammerlock and doing your thing, so a fully established star. I remember watching a, a match from an independent show. I don't know whether you remember it. It was a rumble at the end of the night. the 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 prize for the winner wasn't a title belt. It wasn't a title shot. The prize was a date with Jetta. I uh, do not remember this, but God. this was a thing because I I did it. I'll tell you how I remember it. It was a it was a random tryout I did for for a for a commentator's position. And again, oh at this God. point, and um, the 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 match I was calling was it was John Atkins as the ring announcer, and the the winner went on a date with Jetta, and wow. it was which which at the time you go oh, okay, but like you now look now and we're at a point oh, that was where making me cringe so much. I know. <laughs> I know. So I thought I'd tell you. I thought you'd appreciate it. We'd appreciate being reminded of it. But who this won? I, I can't even remember who won. It was I don't was, I don't remember it. There's a lot of decent it. people in it. Um <laughs> but that was a that was a thing. I'm I'm intrigued to know when this goes out if anybody else remembers that thing, whether it was a weird yeah, me too. Really dream I had. Definitely I remember it was a thing. No recollection of that whatsoever. But, but maybe you weren't oh that's even worse then if you were they were <laughs> They were pitching you for a date and you weren't even involved in it. It's probably one of those, wasn't it, back in the day where it's like, we're going to book you. This is what you would get all the time then as well. We're going to book you. We want to put you in a match. But first, we want you to manage for a couple of shows. And he's like, Mm. you know, there's no no match booking coming at all. And I think after the first few times of doing those, I just used to say no. 
because I knew that there was no match coming. And that was that was a problem back then as well. You'd you would now you wouldn't think about you wouldn't think a bit about it, but we used to have discussions where you would say, like, if someone tries to book you to manage but you don't want to be a manager, don't accept it because then you'll just be a manager and you'll never you'll never wrestle. So and that that used to happen. You'll never actually get out of that groove, will yeah. you? You yeah. I remember you saying, um, in, in another interview that you were on a show where you, where they booked Becky Lynch, but Becky Lynch was there as a manager. That's Hammerlock. That was Hammerlock. Well, there you go. That's, and obviously, no, that was many years before Becky Lynch, you know, Becky Lynch would go on and do the amazing things, but yeah. just wild to think knowing yeah. what we know now. That... And this is the thing as well. Like, I mean, you know, I think we'll all admit that back then, you know, Becky Lynch wasn't the Becky Lynch that you see now, but she no. always had something about her. She always had a natural charisma. She was always very charismatic. She always could engage with the crowd and she was always a good wrestler. So for that time, like, I mean, it's madness. And I mean, I don't know if you remember um, Jezebel Eden Black, but she would have been on those shows as well. So, you know, there's, there's, there's people that went on to do, do things and yeah, they could have had all these matches, but you know, they didn't, they had, they had a manager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to talk about your first injury, your first okay. injury, <laughs> <laughs> but before we do, um, before we do actually, I very need, quickly need to turn the lights on in this room because I've just realized we're now fast approaching the winter. Okay. Yeah. It's been awful. In a, hasn't bit, it? in a bit, I'm going to be like a void. I'm going to be like me. <laughs> I'm just gonna, there we go. That's better. Um, Fraser, have fun editing that. Sorry, mate. Um, but so, but we'll get to, I want to get to your, your second match for your DVD before we do anything else. Uh, so okay. we've, we've had the team, we've had TLC two. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is your second match going to be, Jetta? So my second match is going to be um, Manami Toyota versus um, Azure Kong. God knows what the show is called. Um, I think it's, I've written it down because it's one of those where you know the match, but you've got no idea what the actual show is. It's from 1994. I know that. Superwoman Great War. So obviously that's a translation. Probably <laughs> sounds better in Japanese. Um, yes, yeah, so that would be my second match. And I think, yeah, again, like sort of following on from that kind of flow of things, like I knew what WWE was. I knew what ECW was because... I watched like the invasion angle and I was like, oh, Rob, Rob Van Damme's really cool. And then I'd go out to HMV and buy these like ECW DVDs and be like, whoa, like this is really open my eyes. And then um, I remember being at training and I remember one of the one of the trainees being like, oh, have you ever heard of Manami Toyota? And I was like, no. And he gave me this tape and it just had like all these matches on it. Um, and I really, you could pick any of her matches really, to be honest. Like, and I just remember watching it and being just like, but this is like another level like this is just wow like it was so inspiring because you didn't see women doing that stuff on like WWE and so then that was obviously everything that I was kind of exposed to at that point but I think Manami just I think connected because of just like not just the stuff that she did but like it's kind of like Shawn Michaels like the way she emotes when she wrestles like the way she draws you in and makes you like feel that kind of sympathy for her um yeah i think that she's hands down like top three wrestlers of all time just phenomenal so yeah i'd have to pick one and that's one of my favorite ones of those two and again i could just i could watch those over and over and over uh with and this was happening in in japan like almost a decade uh before 
you you started a hammerlock mm. and it, it just shows you just how ahead of the curve they really were with stuff like that because these matches like even to this day hold yeah, they up stand as up. innovate innovative and it feels like yeah. like there's there's so much that is that is taken from those matches even in 2021 like yeah. there's there's stuff that's lifted from there uh is there um i always like to ask this is there's a particular spot from that match that's that that you particularly love yeah i love i love the i don't know what it's called but when manami like does the, the like the rot like as if she, the person's going for a power bomb she rolls up and over them and does the the pin but she literally just like hits the ropes runs and flips over the person like it's just like mad how quick it is um and yeah just just that initial start like the hot start of the match she's just on her and it's just like it's so hard hitting that you're just like whoa like it's just like nothing you've ever seen before um yeah i'd say i'd say just well it sounds bad to say but the moves <laughs> no 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 it's but that's what it's about that's like it's it's yeah. the, it's the energy that those moves hit and those moves land yeah and you didn't you, at that point like seeing her like power bomb kong off the top rope and whatever else she's doing it's just like you didn't see stuff like that um, and it's like, you know, those matches are like 20, 25 minutes long and they're actually like, they actually tell a story. And I think that's the other thing with with Minami that like really, you know, translates as well. You know, I think so people don't really think about this, but, you know, when you watch like Western wrestling, you've got like English commentary that kind of helps to sort of tell the story, whereas you don't have that with Japanese wrestling. So you've got the Japanese commentary, don't know what the hell they're saying but you can still connect with that person. Um, mm. and, and I think Manami does that like nobody else, I think. Did, was there ever a, a desire for you to, to to head that way and do uh, and, and wrestle that style in Japan? Um, I think, I think if, you, if I ever got offered it, I'd be stupid to say no, because I think like, you know, Japanese wrestling is just, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's part of like you know when you think about the history of wrestling and, and and the history of women's wrestling like japan is like the place to go isn't it um would i absolutely shit myself and be totally out of my comfort zone yeah absolutely but i think sometimes that's that's a good thing so yeah i mean i'd like to do it i guess just over time it just never really lined up for me um but would i rule it out in the future no although i'd probably be really scared um but talking of um talking of, of scared like let's go to great yarmouth for a bit from japan to great yarmouth oh, it yes. seems seems like a, it seems like an appropriate transition yeah what, what a what a come down eh right it's 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 it's, it's similar <laughs> similar in terms of, of culture and society um but with well, the reason i go to great yarmouth is because it's there that you suffer you like i think I mean, you guys get you you get bumps and bruises all along the way, but I think mm. uh, if I'm right in thinking, there's sort of two significant injuries that occur yeah. um, in 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 your in your career, and the first one happens. You're not even twenty, and you're in Great Yarmouth. So so talk us through what happened. Yeah, so it was just one of those things, really. Um, it was a mistimed bump, um, and I think it was just an X factor. Um, I didn't no it was coming I was still quite green at that point so I didn't react quick enough to kind of front bump properly and I just landed like well I'd say that it's actually that arm landed sort of like here and I can probably see I've got two big scars I don't know if you can so you still got the scars from it yeah I've still I've got two metal plates running along both forearm bones um 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's weird because when you do something like that, you kind of feel, and I'd never broken a bone before, so I didn't I didn't know, like, what that feeling was. But because of the adrenaline and whatever, I, and this is where, like, it's a bit, but I thought that I'd hit my funny bone. So I went to go like that on it, like, stand, like lean up on it, and it just kind of, like, went underneath me. And then mm. it just looked like just a mess. Just So I just, I was looking at it, and I was like, Oh, and I just remember like trying to pick it up, and like every time I tried to hold it in my other arm, it just flopped over my other arm. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross. So I don't know, like I got a reputation for being really, really hard from that, which I think a lot of people will find really, really funny because I'm not at all. But I think <laughs> it was just like the shock. So it was a tag match, so I just tagged out with my other arm, and I just walked backstage and just sat down and was just really chilled about it, and everyone was just like what the hell, like you've just broken your arm, like trying to make me a sling them, whatever. And I was just very relaxed about the whole thing, but I think it was just because I was in shock. So after that, everyone was like, oh my God, she's so tough. She's so tough. She didn't cry. She didn't do anything. She didn't panic. She even tagged out, but it was just shock. So <laughs> yeah, at the time I was 17 and this is where it was a bit of an awkward one because I got taken to hospital straight away um, and they told me that I had to have surgery because it was so badly broken that it wouldn't it wouldn't naturally form like when they did the x-ray on it but because I was 17 so what I said was well can I not just like have it put in a park cast and just go back to Coventry and go straight to Coventry hospital and have the operation there because they weren't going to do it then and then and I had to wait until there was like um for a free like surgeon or whatever um and they said that because I was 17, I was technically a minor, so I couldn't sign myself out of the hospital. An appropriate adult had to. So I was basically stuck in Great Yarmouth then um, and then ended up having the surgery there. So I was stuck there for like two weeks, <laughs> um, which wasn't great. Um, and then, yeah, I think at that point, like I liked wrestling, but I don't know if I was really my heart was really in it. And that was like my last my last kind of like summer before and I'd, I'd just got like a, an, a, an apprenticeship that that was like quite a good like career path it was like a four-year apprenticeship like that was you know I still work at the same place now so I've, I've like you know I've used that and been able to climb up in that in that um company um and it was going to be my last ever summer holiday so and also I turned 18 in that summer holiday so um my my last ever summer holiday I just spent in a sling like just completely off my face on god knows what painkillers because it was so bad um I didn't really have an 18th birthday because I was just sunked out, out of my mind I couldn't really leave the house I slept all day most of the summer holidays because of the, the pain stuff that I was on so I just kind of was like oh I don't think I'm gonna bother like I don't think I'm gonna bother going back to wrestling like maybe I just need to like grow up now and like I've got a job and whatever so I sort of just it was it kind of felt like quite a like a like a full stop sort of thing if you know what I mean at that time um and there wasn't really loads going on in wrestling at that time either so it wasn't really like you know I was really given much up anyway um so yeah and then I think the following year around April Mayish, as as it always is, somebody asked me to do a show. <laughs> I did a show, um, and then that kind of just led into another show, into another show, and then the wrestling channel came about, which was kind of like you know seemed like a big deal at the time. Um, and then I ended up doing some stuff on the wrestling channel. So then I just yeah, then I ended up just really loving wrestling again, and there was like opportunities to do things. So I kind of got back into it at that point. 
but that was really i remember the wrestling channel starting and mm-hmm. it felt like like this is going to be another boom period for wrestling right now <laughs> and for british wrestling as well like yeah. all of a sudden you've got you know you've got mo chantra uh talking over matches from japan and like this is mind-blowing and you've got real quality wrestling and you've got fwa which had like these in- these at the time incredible production behind it that, that made yeah. it feel like uh FWA, I remember at the time, feeling like sports entertainment. Yeah, they did a great job, didn't they? They did a really, really great job. And they would they would be very clever about who they would bring over as well. Like they wouldn't oversaturate the imports on a show. They would they would always be on the like the cusp of like who the cool person was to bring in, like, you know, people like AJ Styles and Loki and people like that that they would bring in um that were like the cool person to bring in. So they brought in yeah. Terry Funk for a show, I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And then they had the one in Coventry, didn't they? With um they had uh, and all that lot on it, which was was it Masao? No, it's Kabashi, wasn't it? It's Kabashi that they had. International Literally. showdown. Was yeah, it? yeah. So I think they were always like kind of on the cutting edge of like they were like Ring of Honor, weren't they? They were like mm. the European Ring of Honor, basically um yeah like and as much as like i kind of like scoffed a little bit at the wrestling channel then because it obviously like didn't turn into this big thing that everyone thought it was going to be it was still really cool and to be able to like be on the wrestling channel like like i remember like being like oh i can record myself like it's like it was, <laughs> you know what i mean it was it was really cool and it was mad it's pre-youtube so this is this is yeah. long before like everybody every Every like nowadays, every British wrestling company worth their salt has like an on demand and a YouTube yeah. channel and a social media presence, and a lot didn't at this point. Like nobody no. did at this point, so it felt like a big deal if you were on there. Can you remember yeah. the, what was the first time you saw yourself on the wrestling channel? I don't know, but I can distinctly remember like pressing information on the on the Sky thing on a program that was on, and it had my name in it. And I just remember thinking, like, "Oh my god, that is like so," because that is cool. Like that is that, that at the time as well. That was really cool because, like you say, like that stuff like that wasn't happening. So it wasn't like yeah. So that was that was. I can remember doing that and thinking, "Oh wow, that's really cool." And I can remember like there was a time where like. I was on like every day on something on something different. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. But like when people always used to ask me, like, oh, what do you think like being on the wrestling channel has done for your career? And I was just like, Well, I think it just mainly means that I don't really need to introduce myself fully to a lot of wrestlers backstage because they already know who I am. Because it's mainly wrestlers who watch it, really. Mainly the wrestlers that watch themselves <laughs> going, Did you see me on the wrestling channel? Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like that. If they weren't doing that, they were they were playing do you remember Beehive Bedlam on the Sky TV thing? There was a game set up on this on Sky at that point. I don't know why my brain has gone from the wrestling no. channel to Beehive Bedlam, but there was a game you could play on there. Like that Sky felt revolutionary at this point because there was a yeah. wrestling channel you could shop on there. It felt really cool, and so to be yeah. a part of the wrestling channel was amazing as well. Yeah, yeah. Like even now, like to this day, like I still that's one of like the coolest things. Like yeah, I feel really really lucky that I got to do that, and at the time it was it was really cool as well. How much influence do you think being on the wrestling channel led into you doing stuff with Ring of Honor? Um, not not all. Not all. No. No. Because I so basically the Ring of Honor thing came about um because at the time um Shimmer was around. It was still relatively new. I think it was like a year or so old. Um, and a couple of the girls had come over here and done some shows. I think was it before that? Miss must have been 
must have been before that. Um, so they kind of knew of me and a, and a few others because we'd, we'd, done, we'd done shows with them. Um, Eden Black was going over to Shimmer anyway at the end of the year and they wanted to use her on the Ring of Honor show. But um, Sarah Del Rey and Alison Danger were already over. So they wanted to put her in a tag team match, basically. So basically, they just needed a heel to take the pin. That's that's basically how I got booked. That was the only reason why I was booked, because they were like, well, who can tag with Eden Black? They asked people that were like either. I don't know if they asked Eden Black herself or somebody, but because I'm associated with her, they were like, oh, just just use Jetta. So that 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 was literally the only reason why I was picked. Um <laughs> Which was fine because to me, I was like, okay, so it's a good like way of like, one, it's really cool to be on Ring of Honor because at that point, like we were the first ever European girls to ever be on Ring of Honor. Um, and we were the first girls to be um, on any of the European tour shows, um, which was cool. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, and there's a cool story with that. So like we got asked, and this is basically how I ended up going to Shimmer. So we got asked to go up the day early because they were doing Sarah versus Alison the day before. And you know how they used to do like the little video wires and like the DVDs and, and whatever. So that was it. Yeah. So you were, yeah. you were going to, you were going to do a promo for that. Yeah. Weren't you? Yes. That's yeah. So basically, uh, Gabe, the promoter just said, oh, can you just do like a quick promo where you're sort of like challenging these two to a match tomorrow and like jazz who hated promos just looked at me like i don't fucking say anything <laughs> all, right, all right i'll do it and again it's kind of a bit like i think i've always kind of liked stuff like that anyway and i find that easier than wrestling so i just kind of just said this promo and i was just kind of like you know something like you come all the way from america to challenge yourself and you're wrestling each other like does it make any sense like challenge yourself against the best in in britain or something and it just come out in the first take and he was like just looked at me and i was just like thinking oh that must have been really shit like because he the way he looked at me and i was like oh do you want me to do it again and he went wait there one minute and he disappeared and he come back with the live mic and handed it me and he was like can you go do that out there and i was like oh <laughs> like shit <laughs> so like we went out but I mean and it was in the interval and I don't think it was filmed but like again like this is why I always say to people like if you get given something that you think is shit or that you think is like oh I'm only playing a small part like you can make anything out of that like you can yes you might only be out have a 30 second match but you can make that 30 seconds count like you have to take what you're given and make it into something so we went out there and I did this promo in front of the crowd. Um, and that in turn meant that the next night when we came out, we got booed, really, really booed. So, I mean, and I, I'm always really, really proud of that because <coughs> booed in our home country. Because <laughs> um, I remember the one at the, I remember there was one at the Olympia and it was like everybody that was from the UK was like, hey, you're the, you're the de facto yeah. good guys, except you. <laughs> Yeah, so I was always really proud of that. I was like, that's really cool that we got. And also, you know what? This is the other thing as well. They didn't, at that point, like women's wrestling wasn't popular like it is now. Sarah Del Rey <clears throat> is one of the best, like, independent wrestlers of all time. And I say independent wrestlers because she's never had that, that platform at that stage. If she had to come around now, she would be main event in WrestleManias without without a shadow of a doubt. She is absolutely phenomenal. Whilst it's and great even, that she trains with WWE talent, yeah, like you almost yeah. feel like, oh come on, like there's yeah. 
so much yeah. more here than just training absolutely phenomenal absolutely phenomenal um and even then you know it would be a kind of sit on your hands previous self to me sort of thing even when when somebody like her her would come out um so the fact that they were engaged and they booed us was just like yes like we've we've done our we've done our job um and the match was like probably like four minutes or like something like that it was really it was really short but you know I I think I think I, I played my part quite well um because I did the promo I, obviously we got booed and I just I just took took that stuff and that that was that sort of thing um and then that was what got me into shimmer I think um you, you, you play it down you say I think I did my part quite well am I right in thinking that at the end of that match uh Sarah hugs you and just says welcome to shimmer that was Alison because Alison apologies. Yeah, because she she kind of helped like with with the booking and and sort of like it's one of those things as well. Eve Eve's very similar. Um, somebody could be like on the list and maybe book, but like they have to be the right fit. They have to have the right attitude, sort of thing. So I think that was partly it as well. Like I wasn't a dick. Like I came in, I did my bit. Like I didn't overstay my welcome with anything. I didn't try and get my shit in, like sort of thing. Um, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, at the end of that match, like you know, the whole Ring of Honor shake hands thing. So at the end of the match, they they we shook hands and yeah, Alison hugged me and said, you know, welcome to Shimmer. So I was a bit like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see what happens because like you know what it's like in wrestling. But yeah, then I went I went that following whatever the taping was like the end of the year. So how was how was that as an experience? Because by this point, you you know you knew what Shimmer was about, and it was it was quite it was it was it was revolutionary to have mm -hmm. that in two thousand and seven. Yeah. Uh, um, but how was the experience for you going over there and doing Shimmer? Um, I was lucky in that I went over with Eden, who <clears throat> I wrestled with so much over here, but also some of the girls had been over here and done tours. So I kind of knew of some of the girls. Um, Lacey and Daisy, I'd really bonded with because they came over and did like a mini tour. So we did a show in, I think we did France, Germany. We were meant to do, we did Ireland and we were meant to do Wales, but we ended up getting stranded in Ireland because of uh, bad weather and the plane got cancelled and we all got stuck in Dublin airport overnight, um, which at the time we were like, worst thing ever, but we actually really bonded um, over that time. And it's, it's like, it's like with wrestling, like it's weird, like you spend a really short amount of time with people, but you, because you're like with them 24 seven, like you really like bond with them. So I already had like a really close bond with them. Um, Alison had also been over obviously for the Ring of Honor thing and she did a mini tour over here as well. So I did quite a few shows with her and I'd really bonded with her as well. Um, so yeah, I already had like some people that I kind of knew and I, I was friendly with. So it was exciting. It was definitely daunting, but it was exciting. Um, and yeah, then when I went over there, obviously, um, I, I, well, obviously or not, obviously I, I, um, straight away kind of got slotted in with, with Lacey and Rain, um, which, which has turned into like a lifelong friendship. Like I still, you know, I still speak, speak to them regularly, like at least once a week sometimes every day um we still talk and we haven't obviously with covid and everything going on with life but we always try and like go make the time to go out and visit each other once once a year so um yeah life lifelong friendship bonds which yeah is is is, is lovely how did you spend your night in dublin when you got stranded um being little assholes uh, <laughs> i was hoping that would be the answer because <laughs> once you know you can't make the show and it is and you you're gutted and you're and you're fretted but then you kind of go well 
Like, there's nothing we can do. Like, the universe has decided we're having a night in Dublin. It was shit because, like, we were like, first of all, we went to the pub and then they shut the pub because this was before, like, the 24-hour licensing or whatever it is now. So they shut the pub. Um, and then, like, you know how they have, like, the breakout, like, coffee shops where they have, like, this, the nice seating? They started stacking all the chairs up and we were sitting on them. They told us we couldn't sit on the sofas. And we're like, we're here all night. Like, why can't we? And I remember, like... Lacey like kicking off and being like fuck this and stealing a sandwich in protest <laughs> and then I was like then we were like oh shit you've stole a sandwich from an airport and like you're not going anywhere so like <laughs> they're gonna like see you and no one did um, and then I think like me and Daisy were just messing about like drawing pictures and stuff like that but yeah we just we all just really really bonded um so yeah like looking back on it now like we look we, it, it's such a funny memory but at the time we were like not happy and we missed our booking the next day in wales which was annoying so yeah at the, the, the time you it's i think it's a good life lesson i think that like in the in the heat of a moment like that you you stress your heart and you're bothered and you have to eventually learn look we can't do anything about it as it's annoying but we've just got to try and make the best we can with the the situation yeah. that we've got Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. How far time-wise are we from sort of stealing sandwiches at a Dublin International Airport um, to... Because uh, it'd be a you would There'd be quite a while, I'm thinking, between now and your your second injury. Be a couple of years yeah. yet, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I I did I did that I did I did the shimmer in two thousand seven. I'd say like two thousand seven to and two thousand eight were probably my busiest years. Um, I was kind of all over the place really, um, and then it got to like two thousand and nine. I don't know. I sort of fell out of love with it a little bit. I had a bit of a an incident, should we say, where I, t- I took a dodgy move, kind of landed a bit funny, like 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 here, gave me a bit of a scare because I had like 
I don't know if it was, I guess it was a stinger or something, but it was the first time I'd ever felt like, I remember lying on the mat and it was like two or three seconds went by, but it felt like an eternity because in my head I was wiggling my fingers and I was looking at them and they weren't moving. So I was convinced I was paralyzed. I'd never like felt anything like that before. So that like kind of really scared me. And then after that, <clears throat> I think back on it now. And I think, again, I was probably like, I must've been about 22 or 23 at the time. So I was really young. I look back on it now and I, I clearly had some serious issues because of that, because after that, I was really hesitant on anything. I didn't like, I, I would, I would really try and avoid wrestling. I wouldn't. And I remember one time really not wanting to go to a show and being like, I really don't want to do the show. Like I'd gone out the night before and got drunk with my friends and I was really hungover. And at that point I just, I didn't like wrestling. I just was like, I don't want to go to the show. It's it's going to be shit. Like, I don't know anybody there. It's it, it, I like. I just thought it's going to be crap. But I was like, no. I, I've like, I've committed to going. Like, I should go. Like, I shouldn't do that. Like, if I've said I'm going to be here somewhere, I should. So I went to the show, and um, like the match they had me in was really weird. I was like, this is just a stupid show. Like, so I was just not. My head was not in it. My heart wasn't in it. But I went out. In, in on the show and it was literally sold out the crowd was so hot like I was a baby face um I think I was in like the main event against one of their like top guys or something um and like I remember at the end of the match like the crowd were literally on their feet like screaming I remember like you know you do the like you go through the tropes don't you, you go up on the ropes like all of this and stuff and I remember standing on top of the ropes and I thought if something was going to kick me back into wanting to do this, it should be this. But I'm standing here on the top rope thinking I can't be asked with this. Like it doesn't, it's not doing anything for me. And that was when I kind of like realized like maybe I need to step away from it <clears throat> because if I'm not, if I can't be in this moment, like this is the kind of moment that like, did you get what I mean? Like it should be, it should snap you back into like, this is why we do it. But mm -hmm. it was just the opposite. So I was like, no, I need. To I, had a, I had a similar moment. Full disclosure, I had a similar moment in August, going back into it, where I, uh, a promotion I work as a ring announcer, and I remember thinking, "Why aren't I feeling this? Why is this? Yeah. Why does this feel different?" Um, and and I don't know how you felt with that, but I, for me, I was, I was, I was on the verge of tears. I was heartbroken because I was like, I thought this, as you say, this should have. Kick mm -hmm. me, kick me back into touch, and it hasn't. So it's like, yeah. like where, like when you kind of realize when you sit on the top rope and you go, "Nah, I'm not, not feeling it." Like, what, what's your reaction to your lack of reaction, if you will? I think it was just like I think it cemented it in my head that like it just wasn't for me anymore. And I think again, like at that at that time, like the stuff that was going on in Shimmer was really cool. Like you know. But in the UK itself, there wasn't really anybody around. Like, there wasn't really anyone to wrestle. You know, I was going to shows and I was wrestling people in their first and second matches and stuff, and which is fine. Like, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. But I sort of felt like I was, I needed to come up. Like, I needed to wrestle people better than me so that I could be better. But I was wrestling, I, I was kind of, I felt like I was dragging a lot of people through, like, a, a basic passable match. Um and there were some people that showed a lot of promise, but I didn't really get to wrestle on that much at the time because they were like location. And also like, there was still this kind of, although there was shimmer and stuff and, and Dan at the time was running shows, but he was running a couple of shows a year. There wasn't really like the investment in the women's wrestling to like bring people in or let people travel. It was always like whoever was local. I mean, I would travel around and that was the other thing as well. It was quite 
lonely because <clears throat> because I was one of the only sort of like established girls I was the one who traveled around but because I was traveling around to wrestle local girl I was always traveling on my own so I didn't really have that like camaraderie like in the car or like on flights with people so again that was another thing that was kind of a bit like spending all my weekends on my own I'm doing all this traveling when I get to the actual match I'm not feeling it I don't I just want it to be over with I'm second guessing everything I'm nervous about getting hurt like it's it's not worth it it's not worth it to me and it's also not worth it for the people that are booking me that are paying me and the people that are wrestling me because I remember like back in the early days like being backstage at shows and you'd have the like typical grumpy old man who'd be like oh don't want to be here blah blah blah, like moaning about like having to wrestle after intermission because they wanted to leave early or whatever and I remember sitting there and thinking like why why did you bother like why are you here like why are you taking up a spot and then I could kind of see myself slowly becoming one of those grumpy old men and I thought no like wrestling has given me so much like you know the stuff with the wrestling channel getting to travel like doing that ring of honor show like being in the magazines like getting to do all that cool stuff I thought no I don't I don't want to sour it I don't want to taint it it's time for me to just step away so that that's exactly what I did and that's quite a big thing to do as well it's it's the it's the it's the the movie uh quote isn't it like you die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain (laughs) Yeah. And it was to, really I think, to have backstage. That's a, yeah, live long enough to become the dick backstage. <laughs> to reach that point though, and go, I don't want to be that. I'm, I'm done. Um, when you had what you perceived to be your final match, spoiler, it wasn't. When you had what you perceived to be your final match, and you get back in the car and you're heading home, what's, what's going through your head at that point? Well, my actual final match was supposed to be in Belgium. Um, and it was there were two shows. Uh, I did the usual like carny wrestler thing, which where I made it of I, I told people I was retiring so I could get rid of all my merch. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the wrestler equivalent of rising closing down sale in front yeah, of the shop. Basically, everything, everything must, must go. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and my last two shows were in Belgium the first one was a tag match and the next day was meant to be a singles match and in typical independent wrestling style this second show was booked on the same day as England England versus where was it it was in Belgium England versus France I think it was so basically they sold about three tickets and this was like a big show it had like it was like in a big like sports hall. Um, they'd sold quite quite well previously, and they had like big names on it, like um, Sami Zayn was on it, uh, Tommy End. Um, they'd, they'd flown people in for this show, right? Uh, Zach Saber Junior was on it. Um, so yeah, my last show. What actually happened was um, they said they just weren't going to run the show because it was just a waste of time. Um, but they would give us our wage um, and they wheeled in like, you know how like when you're in school and you get like a telly wheeled in? Like, so wheeled in this telly. <laughs> so you can all sit. So there's no wrestling show tonight, but you can all watch either the World Cup or Shrek. Yeah, like, yeah. So wheeled in this telly, <laughs> um, bought us a load of pizzas. Um, the girls got the prizes from the raffle, which was like a box of chocolates. So that was nice. And we all just sat and watched the England game. But before we what we watched it, there was like a football pitch like on the outside and all the lads went out and played football and the girls just sunbathed. So yeah, that was my 
Well, that's never show. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that, like, it, it does have nice. a very, it does have a very last day of school vibe to it. Yeah, it's nice. Complete, <laughs> with, complete with wheeling the telly. In. Yeah, complete with wheeling the telly in to watch like whatever film they've got at the back of the like, uh, what's it like stationary cupboard. <laughs> but the, but that, but I part of but I guess the whole thing of go, it kind of justifies you leaving where you're like this is this is a, oh a, just like here a, and, a bad call and here we are <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is why I can't be bothered. This is yeah. this is the cosmos telling me, yeah, this is this yeah. is time to do to go away. Um, yeah. what did you do? What did you go and do? Do you know what? I didn't really do anything. I kind of lived in my twenties, and that was the other thing as well. You know, I was twenty three. All my friends were going out on like you know going out nights out and like girls' holidays, and I never did any of that because I was resting every weekend, or you know I wouldn't really want to book a holiday like too far in advance because I was literally wrestling every weekend. Um, and I didn't know what booking was going to come when. So you know what it's like, the old, um, you know, you don't want to book anything too in advance because you don't know what opportunity is going to come. So you kind of keep your calendar free if you can. So I just went off and just like lived the life of a 23-year-old. I went out. Um, I did things with my friends. I went on holiday. Um, yeah. And I, I think I needed that, to be honest. Like, I think it, I'm glad that I did it because I would have I would have missed out on a lot of stuff. So, yeah, you know, like all the... The old, you know, wrestler thing. You miss out on birthdays, weddings, and blah. But you do, you do like you miss out on those birthday nights out, especially when it's like your group of friends. And like, thankfully for me, I've always been really lucky. Um, I've got the same group of friends that I've had since I was like thirteen, um, and we're all still friends now. But like, you know, they'd be talking about nights out and things that they were doing, and I, um, I wasn't there, so it was nice to be able to like just do that sort of stuff. How buzzing were your friends to have you back? I don't know, probably happy because they used to use me as like anytime anything kicked off, they were like, Well, Vicky will sort it out. And I was like, <laughs> No, I won't. Really won't. Like, I don't know how many times I had to say, like, I can't not not that my friends are fighters because we actually never got in any fights, but I was always like, No, I could probably like make a beating look good or like probably take a couple of extra punches, but I wouldn't be able to <laughs> like I wouldn't be able to fight back. So, yeah, uh, no, but they were happy to have me back, yeah, because I did miss out on a lot of stuff, so. Um, then the obvious question from there is, uh, what what, what was the moment when you when you got a sniff of getting back in? Like, when um, did you feel like the gear started turning for, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to re-enter now? I think, like, really, I saw how much it was blowing up and how much stuff was going on. Um, a local company to me called triple uh, x wrestling i my friend runs that so i'd go to the odd show that he would run and um, that would have people on and, and they were always fun um and yeah it's it's one of them isn't it i think like i got asked to do something like to do a wrestling show on a drunken night out and i think i gave like a ridiculous fee and they agreed to it so i was like <laughs> fuck it why not and um, <laughs> that is the greatest freelancer trick that not enough people know and I'm glad that we can now share that with the world. Is that if there is a if there if you're a freelancer and there's a gig that you don't want to do, you ask the earth for it. Yeah. If they say no, you go, oh well, I wouldn't want to do it anyway. If and they I say like, and I also demanded who I would wrestle, I'd be like, I'll do it, but I'm only going to wrestle this person. Brilliant. So I was, yeah, because like at, at that point I wasn't really interested, but also I'd had so I had did have some friends who had never seen me wrestle. So like I was like, oh, they can come and watch me. So yeah, that was that was that then. And then yeah, I did that. Um, and then I reconnected with Dan, who runs Eve. At that point, again, it's it's just kind of like you, just right time, right place, really. 
he started rerunning Eve again. Um, that was something that I was I was a part of. Although at that time when he first started running Eve, I, I wasn't wrestling. I came in and, and I managed. Um, I think I did I do it? No, I, yeah, I managed. He tried to trick me into wrestling, but I managed. <laughs> but I managed. Um, and yeah, so I kind of reconnected with him, and then I started doing the Eve shows again. And then I think doing the Eve shows kind of made me get a bit of a bug back for it um, and find find a new love for it because I think I think now like for me do I want to like do things do I want to like you know travel and do I want to like wrestle different places and stuff yeah of course of course I do um, but I don't feel the same pressure that I felt back then like that I had to do this and I had to do that sort of thing now like for me the biggest thing with wrestling is because again I've been in that place and I don't want to go back to that place of like not enjoying it so for me if it's not something I'm going to enjoy and it's not something fun then I'm not going to do it um but luckily you know for me um Dan runs Eve every month um at least um and I just love those shows like they're just so much fun like it's going to sound all a bit kind of arty farty but you get like so much creative freedom and you can kind of go out there and like sometimes you'll go out there and you'll try something and it completely falls on its ass but other times you go out there and you do something and it really connects and it's and it creates something really special and that audience is just I don't know there's something really special about it you know they come back all the time and they're really invested in the characters so yeah I, I, I'm really enjoying it. I was going to ask you, because obviously there's been two occasions where you've gone, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is there is there a fear at the back of your mind that you might get to that place again? Um, no, not really. I mean, kind of like, I guess, like what you said there about before about doing doing the ring announcing for the first time and kind of not having that feeling. I think like there's a difference between knowing yeah you're definitely done and having those wobbly moments where you're like I can't be asked like you, mm-hmm. you're always going to get those you're always going to get those odd moments um but I think as well like over over Covid as well I think it's really made me like appreciate and realize like how much I really do love wrestling and how much of a of an outlet that is for me um again it's going to sound very eye-fi but it's a it's a creative outlet you know and I, I really really enjoy that and especially Eve you know the atmosphere the girls like again it's similar to Shimmer like you have to kind of pass a bit of an attitude check before you before you get booked there so the atmosphere backstage is great like at the the first Queendom back you know we have we have a monitor backstage and literally everyone was gathered around watching the matches we were all cheering everybody on if somebody was doing something and it and it looked like it was going to go a bit wrong like everybody was like oh no no oh no they pulled it back they pulled it back oh that looks so good like there was all of that going on so it's just a really special atmosphere um, and everybody's there as like uh, a collective effort to kind of put on the best show possible, um, which is nice. So do I, do I worry about it? I think there's always going to be a time, isn't there, where I'll get to a point where I'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Um, and I, I'm not like, I don't worry about that or, or get scared about that. Because again, like I say, I'm just selective about what I do and careful about where I go. Uh, before we get to your third and final match, uh, the other thing I like to ask, I like to spring it on people, it's nothing bad, uh, is uh, as well as taking three wrestling matches, you can also take with you onto the island um, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. 
So if I was to say to you, you could take a movie with you, what's the first movie that, that, that comes to the front of your mind? I think if I could take a movie, again, if I'm thinking of something that I've watched a million times and I could watch a million times more, it'd probably have to be Dumb and Dumber because I think you need something to lift your spirits as well, don't you? So It's an easy, it's an easy spirit lifter is Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Did you see Dumb and Dumber 2? Is it yeah. Dumb, or, or the late or the, the Dumb and Dumber Rora is the newer one. Yeah, I sort of feel like they're cut, the the newer one is sort of like Home Alone three, isn't it? It doesn't exist. Like you just sort of mm. pretend it's like it's in its own universe that like no one can get to. <laughs> you keep it, yeah, keep them separated. Yeah, yeah. How about an album? What album would you take? Um, I think I would. I'd definitely take an Oasis album. Um, I think I'd probably take definitely maybe. Um, on that album. If you need a song that's going to set the pace for a good day ahead, which song do you go to? Well, I'd say, well, Rock and Roll Star, but also Live Forever is probably like my favourite song of all time. So that's probably why that that album would trump over um, What's the Story. Nice. Uh, and a luxury item. So this could be something of sentimental value. It can be um, a bit of tech you want to use on the island. It can be uh, ju just, it's a very open field is the luxury item. But what if there's something you could take with you, maybe of sentimental value, what would it be? Um, I feel like I would try and be clever and strategic and take like a pack of flares or something. So, <laughs> so you can get off the island. <laughs> yeah, but not one because then it's like too much pressure on when I set it off. So I sort of feel like if I'm allowed, I would take a pack of flares. Oh, nice. Nice. I like it. I like I like how you've gone strategic there. And yeah. I, I like it a lot. Are you a fan of Bonfire Night? I mean, it's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not a massive fan of fireworks, unless it's at Disney. I think there's... You know, I think fireworks can sometimes be a bit disappointing, can't they? Yeah, I think yeah, but with the exception of that last bit, because I know you you like you've been to Disneyland Paris as well, and that bit at the end of the day, yeah, where they have the the show Disney Dreams, I think it is. They show it on the castle, and there's yeah, oh god. Once you've seen that, like there's you can't watch fireworks anywhere else. Like, it's not it's, the same lighting them in your back garden. Yeah, is it, like anymore? going down your local rugby field is just never the same, is it? <laughs> Uh, okay, so we've got one more match to get to. Um, so we've had uh, some belters so far. What would you like your third and final one to be? So my third and final, I kind of, I was really struggling with this one. I wanted to pick a Shawn Michaels match because I think that Shawn Michaels is just like, there's wrestlers, there's Shawn Michaels. Like he's, he's just on another level. But I don't know if this is like a controversial thing or what, but I prefer babyface Shawn Michaels. So I'm going for Shawn Michaels versus Jericho at WrestleMania. I think it's WrestleMania 19. Um, nice. Yeah. Why would, that, why would that be controversial, do you think? I think people just prefer Shawn as a heel, don't they? Oh, I, don't I think in years, in the recent years, we've we've fallen for Shawn Michaels, yeah. the, the saved religious baby face. Like the, yeah. the second coming of Shawn, sure as, as it were. And I'm not sure about that entrance, whatever one that one is. The, <laughs> the one from WrestleMania where he comes down in a white hat, like lowered yeah. from the bill, like like the light versus the dark. Yeah, yeah. Sure I seem to thing. remember hearing that the first time you saw Shawn Michaels, you were very angry with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, actually, he was beating up the man in the pink would, that you wanted. Yeah, do you know what? Win. That's true. Actually, I think that that probably is my first ever wrestling memory. Like watching, 
I, I just remember there was a guy in pink and I, the only when I think about it now I mean I could be thinking of something completely different and it could just be because I've seen Bret Hart since that memory but in my memory now that must be Bret Hart because he was, mm. it was it was in the pink and I just remember being mad because he's beating up the guy in the pink so yeah maybe that's why I prefer babyface Shawn Michaels maybe it could yeah. very well be uh, <laughs> of all the Michaels mania matches um that he's had we we partly referenced one there one of the classics against the undertaker and he's had you know so many others why this one in particular because i also am a massive jericho fan mm-hmm. um and i just think that like the other match i guess is probably the angle one the two undertaker matches obviously are, are great and so it's the flair one but i just really like the chemistry between sean and jericho and i like that kind of like how Jericho's kind of like a bit like Shawn Michaels, like similar sort of style and the way they play off. And there's just a lot of like clever little things in the match. And I love the finish. Like I really like finishes where it's kind of an out of nowhere finish, like the the jump up pin rather than like an actual, the super kick or, or whatever. Um, and the bit at the end with the like the hog, the low blow and the, and Shawn sliding down Jericho, like that's just yeah, I love, I love stuff like that. And I just, I really like Sean as a baby face because I think that like, it's again, like, I think when you, when you get into, when you watch wrestling as a fan and then you kind of like become a wrestler or you get into like the wrestling industry, you kind of like appreciate wrestling on two levels, like as one as like just watching the match as a match, but then also like the mechanics behind the match. And I just think that like Sean as a baby face, the way he moves, the way he sells, like the little things that he does, that is just to me like on a different level to anyone else. And I think that's why I prefer him as a baby face. And there's some of those like key moments in that match. And the super kick at the end is just, that looks like it kills him. So yeah. It nailed beautifully. I remember yeah. the the build to that. And there was the, and because there was the, they compared Jericho and Shawn Michaels, like historically all the way through it. And Jericho dropping the line saying, I used to be called the next Shawn Michaels. It was a great honor, but not now. I'm now working on being the first Chris Jericho. Yeah. And it's like, and it was little beats and bits like that. There was the spot of the rumble when it was Shawn and Jericho meant to start the rumble, but Christian was dressed as Jericho on the ramp. Like there's so many beats even before you get to the match. And the match itself is, is beautifully creative as well. Yeah, it yeah. It tells a really good. It tells a really good story of a guy who, almost like yourself, has has had a career where uh, they've worked, they disappeared, and they came back. <laughs> it seems the first it, last time I'll ever be compared to Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I'm sure you could do a super kick. <laughs> I can't. My hold me up. <laughs> One more, oh, Jetta. So, where can people find you if they want to keep up with what you're doing? This is going out. Uh, the it's going out. The date is. I'll tell you the exact date uh, of time of, of broadcast. It is the sixth of October, and I know that this weekend coming, uh, you have a showdown with with Charlie Morgan. Yeah. So um, it will be Wrestle Carnival, um, which would be on the Saturday, which I believe is the eighth. Um, I will just check because my cat is sat on my phone. I'm sure it's the eighth. Um, yeah, so me and Charlie. No, it's the ninth. Tell a lie. It's the ninth of October. Um, Wrestle Carnival in Nottingham, where I will be facing Charlie Morgan. Um, she's going to be the Shawn Michaels to my Jericho in that match. <laughs> How excited are you to to step in? Because obviously, like you've been every step of the way through through Charlie's road back. 
and uh, part you know in on the in on the big surprise on the uh, Wrestle Queendom and and this is the first time you guys will have wrestled since Charlie Morgan's comeback. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, so I mean, we, we wrestled quite a few times before, but I was mm. always like a, a heel and she was a face. And when she w- was kind of found out that she could come back, obviously we've been been training all over COVID. Um, and that's been like a nightmare because I've been trying to keep that secret because, you know, you know the saying about telling wrestlers things, like once one person knows, everybody knows. So you're trying Telephone, to telegram, telewrestling. That's one, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, trying to keep that a secret and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it's we we said like <laughs> we said when we first came back, we were like, right, we don't want to wrestle each other straight away, and we don't want to be in a tag team straight away. So literally, the second match back, we're in a tag team, <laughs> and then our third, the third match back, <laughs> we're wrestling each other. Um, but you know what? We're both really excited for it because again, it's it's like and that's kind of like why we made that bit of a, a Jericho Shawn Michaels joke because we we know what each other does like really, really well. And we know each other's movesets really, really well. We know each other's new stuff that we've been trying really, really well. And we've been training with each other. So really you would hope that would be the recipe for quite a good match. So fingers crossed, um, we'll have a good one, but we're really excited. Yeah, really excited to to get in there and do that. And to be fair, we're quite excited to be a tag team properly at some point down the line as well. But yeah, um, Wrestle Carnival, uh, Nottingham, October 9th. And if people want to keep in touch with what you're doing beyond October, where can people find you? Um, so I'm on Twitter as Jetta underscore Wrestle and the same on Instagram. And one final question. I always like to end on this. It's a chance for you to to go back. Uh, we, we go back in time and we see uh, Jetta at a very young age. Uh, she's binned off guitar. She's binned off skateboarding. And she's sitting down for the first time to watch... Uh, the Hardys and the Dudleys, the table match from Rumble 2000. And finally coming around to the idea that, you know what, this fake shit isn't that bad after all. Um, what would you like to say to you, the younger version of yourself, knowing what you know now, knowing the journey you've been on, what would you like to tell yourself? Um, I would say don't do anything differently because I think... There's the whole butterfly effect, isn't there? Are there things that I would change? Are there things that I would do differently? Yeah, but if it's either it's either a lesson or it's a, it's it's something that was a positive, and whatever I did then has led me to where I am now. Um, I might say uh, that move is going to be an X factor, take a front bump, so I don't break my arm. <laughs> Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 